Welcome back to the next episode of the Subcockles of Reddit with Buck and Sadar, your one-stop station for online vindication. And we are happy to be back and joining you this week. Uh, last week's episode, you know, uh, Sadar and I took the week off because uh, Rona Raz had to uh, keep the, uh, keep the, uh, you know. We, you know yeah, I don't mind sharing. Going. You know, after three and a half years of playing hide and go seek, <laughs> uh, Rona caught up to me. And I just wasn't up to sitting up, though. But I am feeling much better, and I'm back to sitting upright and standing upright again. It feels good to survive, and I'm I'm ready to jump back on the monkey go round, so to speak. Yes, yes, I've missed you so bad. <laughs> I actually like I actually wanted like at one point in time I was I was actually text messaging Sadar, and I was like, can I? Can I like have some chicken soup delivered and like maybe something for the kid and you know something for Raz, you know, just something because you guys are sick and I love you guys and I'm so sorry. And and we were all gonna I was I had it in the cart, I was ready to go. I hit checkout, I hit pay for it, and then it said we don't actually deliver there. And I was like, oh my gosh. Dude, I'm so not, I, I'm not uh, even sure so that I ate for a couple... I know I did sleep 36 hours straight. Like, I'd wake up every couple of hours, every four to six hours for about 45 minutes. I would stumble my way to the restroom, get a drink, and go back to sleep. And uh, my dear, sweet, loving husband at one point brought me a mug of tomato soup so that I... I didn't even really have to sit up in bed. And I fell asleep in the middle of drinking that tomato soup. But after 36 hours of straight sleep, I could at least stay awake for more than a couple hours at a time. But I got up and tried to sweep. I want to say it was the next day. I tried to just sweep the floor. And my legs were buckling under me. I just could not... I had nothing left to give, nothing at all, and uh, it was pretty miserable for a while. But... You know what? I mean, I got to tell you, listening to your to your sweeping story just reminded me how thankful I was that my ass doesn't fucking walk when I had the <laughs> Rona, because because that shit was easy for me. People are like, oh my gosh, I couldn't even get up and walk. And I'm like, yeah, me either, man. <laughs> me, yeah, me either. Me either. I totally know your pain. I love you, Buck. <laughs> I, I love I just love your your sense of humor. Oh. Well, I mean, like, but I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, I was actually really truly thankful that I didn't have to get up. Because I'll tell you what, even if I wanted to, I wouldn't have been able to. That that's that I, I uh, you know, in all seriousness, all jokes aside, I, I do not, I do not envy you. You, you definitely were, were sick and down and out. I am, I am truly happy that you and, and the family are, are all well now. I was actually really, really worried. Yeah. You know, you guys, you guys, you guys mean a lot to me. So, you know. We made it I mean, through to on. the other side. Thank goodness for modern medicine and all of that jazz, because it definitely, I think, uh, helped us push through. Um, but it, it's no joke. I can say that with from first-hand experience now. It is nothing to be taken lightly, because it wipes you out. I don't think I've been that wiped out um, since... Since I had major abdominal surgery, probably, so it 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 wow. takes it out of you. Well, shall well, we get this know, uh, go around? I, I was started? about ready to say, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 round round the Rona and get get back to the get, you know, the good stuff. The, the, yes, 
All right. Yeah, what are well, we what are we starting with? Well, let's do what I think we do best to start, and let's uh, start out with r slash relationship advice, posted by potato uh-huh. potato potato two fifty five. My partner, thirty one male, and I, thirty female, together four and a half years. I feel like I am responsible for so much more than him. Tasks and mental load. I feel like I take on a lot of the mental load and he seems oblivious to it. We discussed it before, but he always seems to think he's doing his fair share. Sorry this post ended up so long. Just wondering if anyone has any advice or had any success at evening out the load with their partner. I think one of our biggest issues is our different work schedules. He works the typical 8 to 4.30 Monday through Friday with weekends and holidays off. I do shift work, typically for 10-hour shifts, off at 7 or 8. Often one of those days is a weekend. It has been really hard as I'm often getting home after the typical dinner time and he's already been home for a few hours. He does cook dinners often, maybe two, uh, two days per week. It's usually pretty simple, some meat, rice, and veggies. But it's great to come home to and I appreciate it a lot. I, t- I try to cook on one or two of the week. Uh, weekdays I have off, but I'd say he ends up doing more dinners than me. We usually eat a couple of dinners away from home, either at one of our parents or at friends or a restaurant. I meal prep for all of my meals besides dinner, three small ones for my shift. I usually, usually spend most of one of my weekdays off prepping and cooking for that. I give him a third of everything I prep, uh, but he usually crushes it all in one Uh, day. He manages his own meals for the day, and we basically only do dinner together. He thinks that he does more than his uh, fair share of work because he is cooking dinner a few times a week, but I feel like I do so much more. His idea of a clean kitchen is all the dishes in the dishwasher and a couple of pots in the drying rack. Not cleaned well, often still greasy to the touch. He doesn't wipe counters, cutting boards, or sweep food off of the floor. He doesn't vacuum, clean the bathroom, tidy, deep clean anything, wash shared items such as bedding or towels, buy cleaning supplies, toilet paper, etc. I do all of that, and often on my weekday off. Whereas if I work a Saturday, he's surfing or skiing or hanging out with friends, which is great, but he's not carved out any time for helping around the house. He goes to the gym after work most days if you're wondering why he doesn't do it then. He does take out the recycling and trash sometimes. I refuse to do his laundry, so he does it, but his clothes clothes are literally all over the floor of our bedroom or laundry room, clean and dirty piles. I honestly think he would leave a pot in the middle of the living room floor and it would stay there unless I put it away or told him to. I also do all the finances, mortgage, strata, internet, property taxes, insurance, etc., I'm not even sure he could tell you which companies we use for any of the above. I deal with everything having to do with the condo, uh, examples uh, access for fire testing, getting the air conditioning system maintenance or repaired. I have to be home for the appointments on my days off and we just add up our costs on every month or two and he just sends me what he owes. I have Excel files of our finances and he's never looked at it once. When I say things like, Why do I have to do all the strata and condo correspondence? He'll say, well, I don't get the emails. You do. You are a grown man. You can figure out that you are not getting any info even or ever from our strata or property management. Despite owning the condo, we own 50-50 and then figure out how to contact them. But no, I have to email them and get him on the list. Not that he will take any action anyways, because he knows I'll always do it. I also have packed and bought almost everything in our condo, or picked and bought. When we moved in together, I had lived alone previously, so I had a bed and a couch and all the kitchen stuff and bathroom stuff, etc. He didn't really have any of it, so he just brought all of my things. I do uh, admit my taste is a bit more expensive. Example, I want furniture that is new when I know it would be cheaper to get things on Facebook Marketplace. He makes me feel guilty for buying Uh, new, more expensive furniture, but I have a good job and can afford it. He He would get everything for free on the side of the road if it were up to him. It's totally up to me to get him to chip in, pick out much, uh, pick out how much he should pay and add it to our expenses. 
he's just like, yeah, whatever. I usually make him pay like $50 for a $500 item because I know he wouldn't buy it despite being totally normal to have a dining room table. But it's annoying that I still have to do all the work to pick and buy the item, then figure out how much I think is fair for him to pay, etc., etc. Same goes for Christmas. He hates buying gifts and getting them. He thinks it's a waste of money, consumerism, blah, blah, blah. He prefers spending time with family and friends. I do agree with that, but also buying gifts has always been a thing for my family, and it's just kind of what we do. So I am responsible for buying all the gifts and wrapping them and paying for them. And he gets showered with gifts from my family. He's convinced his family to do a one gift exchange. I still buy my own gift for that and bought his baby niece and nephew a gift because he definitely wouldn't have. If I bring it up, he's just like, yeah, well, maybe just add it uh, to the monthly cost, whatever. So now I have to figure out how much I think is appropriate. It's just so much for me to take on. Note, he has a good job and will pay 50-50 for anything if I wanted but it's just a lot to do it myself. When we travel, I plan everything, book hotels, transportation, activities, etc. I just feel like he has this approach where he's okay with the bare minimum, cleaning, holidays, chores, etc. And if I want anything done above uh, beyond that, it's up to me. We talked about getting cleaners. Maybe this would help with the ongoing disagreement. We don't, uh, we don't have cleaners, and you want to know why? It's because I haven't organized it. I feel like it's just starting to click that all of this extra mental load I take on adds up and is honestly so exhausting. Overall, we get along great. He is honestly a great person. He's kind, supportive, treats me well. I love his family. He loves mine. We have a great group of friends and a great life together. We don't even argue about the above that much. We don't argue much ever. This is basically the only thing I feel we struggle with. I want to be with him forever. But we are thinking about getting married and having kids, and I seriously think we need to sort this out before any of that can happen, because it will just get worse. <clears throat> what do you say, Buck? That was a lot, but... I think you might be muted, dude. I can see the lips moving, but I don't hear any Buck I coming was, through. Yeah, I was, in fact, muted. But um no, I uh, I actually did I, I agree there is a lot there. And uh you know I've got I've extrapolated kind of my own opinion of it. Um, you know, it, you're describing what what you are describing about about your husband is exactly how I was with my first wife. And you know, I went to work, I brought home a paycheck, I came home. And my first wife pretty much told me everything to do and wanted to do it and everything like that. And I just went along and tried to be a good little soldier boy. And she ended up bearing the lion's share of pretty much everything that you said. Unless she told me to, I didn't do anything. You know? And and that was that was you know Looking back on it, I should have chipped in more and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. It really, it, that really is what it boils down to. I'll eat my shit sandwich on that one. And that's why I'm telling you from my own personal experience that your husband had a very good mother, okay, who took care of all of that shit. And also, it sounds like your husband might have ADHD as well. Because the way that you describe him, every other, every other thing about him is great, except for the very long, long list of things that you do compared to him. And as true as it may be, the fact of the matter is, is that he may not even be aware that half that shit is, is stuff that you do. It might not even be on his radar. I would... I would seriously recommend sitting down and having a a very, you know, regimented conversation outlining, you know, your feelings and see how he responds to that and see if he'll chip in with work. It doesn't sound to me like we're we're talking about a piece of shit here. Like that's that's not what you're describing to me. I don't I don't I don't hear that in in your uh in your post that your husband's like some monster. It just seems like he's very aloof 
And uh, and I think that sit them down, have a come to Jesus talk with them, and and see if that fixes it. Maybe get them get them to a therapist and uh, see if if you can get them on some medication for ADHD if that is indeed the case. Because like I said, it might not even be on his radar. But that's that's what I got out of it. I mean, what about what about you, Sadar? What do you what say you? I think that there um, there's some legitimate gripes here. But it it sounds like the gripes have been snowballing for so long that now it's moved into a, a snowball effect. Like for housework, yeah, I I think housework needs to be split fifty fifty. But if you don't talk Agreed. about it, then you don't you you can't assume that your partner sees what needs to be done. I mean, he loads the dishwasher. He wash it, hand washes the dishes that can't go in the dishwasher. They're not up to your your specifications, the quality of those washing. So uh, maybe don't assume that he knows how to wash them well. Um, right. And Or suggest maybe those are chores that should be in your wheelhouse and um, ask your... Ask your partner to scrub the toilet and wipe down the counters instead. You know, it, yeah, it, it takes asking them, but relationships are never going to be 50-50. And the only way to make a relationship work is if it's 100-100%. Because everybody's got to be giving everything to it. Um, as far as the furniture stuff, I mean, you say that you ask him to pay, like, five percent of whatever it costs because you want it and he doesn't well you want it not him but he acquiesced to you getting what you want so there's that what amount would he have to pay that would make you more comfortable with it and i think that's a question that you have to decide for yourself and then talk to him about it i, I agree it's reasonable if you're building a life together to have decent furniture at some point in your life and if you can afford that some point in your life to be now then by all means buy a decent dining room table uh if he doesn't care then he doesn't care you can take uh take him at his word for it so um it sounds like to you that feels yeah. like a burden and maybe it is but i think in the grand scheme of things that might be a stretch calling it a burden um and if yeah. you're if you're that stressed and you're talking about raising kids together my for the love of god please have detailed conversations about how the workload and decisions for the kids are going to go um long before you ever ever decide to part ways with whatever you're using as a contraceptive now because i promise you any frustrations that you feel right now in this relationship, especially in the first year of life for that first kid, are going to be 10,000 times worse. <clears throat> it's not, um, having kids is not for the faint of heart. Um, but I, I do think, uh, I, I appreciate hearing at the end of the article that, you know, overall, you love him. He's a great guy. He he does chip in. Um, if uh, I forgot to mention the presents, if the presents don't matter to him, then stop putting forth so much effort to buy presents to give on behalf of him. If it matters to you, do it. If it, if it uh, is something that you think you feel like you need to do for your partner and it's too much for you, don't bother. But um, I think that what is really needed here is just some honest conversations. And if you're you're talking about getting married, maybe some premarital counseling would help. I think a lot of times people who live together before they get married assume that they don't need that. Um, but I think in this situation, it's something that could probably help the both of you a lot. Um, uh, hearing what's frustrating you come from another person's mouth might help your partner hear it more clearly. And um, 
maybe um, the same will work in reverse, seeing what, uh, what perspectives your partner holds, um, illuminated uh, from a different uh, face would help you understand how he sees or doesn't see what, uh, what's going on in the relationship. I, I think um, more than anything, communication here is just needs to be broader. Is that fair, Buck? I'm so glad that you are smart. I, I don't know. But, but... Uh, I mean, like, comparatively speaking, yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. However, at the end of the day, I, I really got nothing else to add. I, I agree wholeheartedly with just about everything you said. I mean, it seems like we both rounded up at the same point, which is have a conversation, sit down, you know, have an airing of the grievances. And, you know, Sadar brought uh, premarital counseling uh, into her uh, into her suggestion. And I, I actually do strongly co-sign that. Um, I recently started watching a, uh, a YouTube series called Cinema Therapy, which is a filmmaker and a therapist evaluate movies uh and give it give it their perspective and the therapist on that uh on that series actually recommended that couples go to counseling before they get married or before they start having problems yeah. or very early off in their relationship so that way they can talk about these things that they don't even think are going to be issues but they can actually air out what their feelings are about them before they become a problem because it's a lot easier to make a relationship stronger than to try to fix one that's already kind of broken. So, yeah. and, you know, take, take, take the, take Sadar's sage words of advice there. Uh, premarital counseling is not, is not a bad idea. And coming from a man who is divorced and on his second marriage, I can tell you from, from experience, premarital counseling probably would have been a great benefit you know, prior to my first marriage. A lot so, of a lot just, of this just seems like petty frustrations that have festered for uh, so long uh, that they're becoming and and I get it. You know, I I don't want to tell say she's nagging, but I get you know, it. I, I agree. Well just from my own experience, I there are certain things around the house that it's irrational and it's not reasonable, but if it's not done a certain way it, it bugs me. So Everyone in my home is fully capable of loading the dishwasher. I have no doubt of that. I know if I'm gone for a week that they've run the dishwasher in my absence. But if I am home, <clears throat> I love help unloading it. That's usually actually one of my kids' chores now. But when it comes to actually putting dirty dishes in the dishwasher, I have an obsession about how it has to be done. So nobody can load the dishwasher except for me. And I, I know that that's, that's my neuroses, and so that's my chore to own, and I will always be the one loading the dishwasher because of me. You know what I mean? That, you know what, though? I, I actually, I can, I can relate. You I, know, I can't complain I know that nobody does it because I, I do don't you, let anybody do, do it. Do you remember when you came and visited uh, Caregiver Katie and I in South Carolina when we lived there? Mm -hmm. And uh, and we hand-washed our dishes. And you and I actually went kind of toe-to-toe over it. Because you were like, we are staying in your house. We are eating food with you. We are, we are going to prepare and cook this food. And we are going to do your dishes. And I actually kind of bucked at you. I was like, I do the dishes in this house. I remember I like, that. I am the, I, I am the only one who does the dishes in this house because it's literally the only chore that I am capable of doing. I am doing it, okay. and I actually, I, I, I was like, and and that was it, you know. I but, remember that. And yeah, and it's you know, but it's it that again, you know, that was my own thing. But either way, let's let's move on. You know, okay. we've, we've spent a lot of time on this one. All right. We've got another relationship advice to go through from throw R.A. Little 345. 
My 38 male wife, 36 female, is insisting on trying for a third child. Due to medical issues and otherwise, I don't think we can handle more. Full disclosure, I know how obnoxious entitled this might come across to people who are struggling with fertility issues or can't have children or additional children due to economic, social, or other reasons. I realize how privileged we are. Um, I have been with my wife, Melanie, for roughly 10 years. We have two children, a six-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy. We have an overall wonderful marriage. Melanie has a career as a surgeon for about eight years, and I run my own business. Roughly two years ago, she was diagnosed with an illness which has affected a wide range of things, including her muscle strength, her dexterity, fatigue, etc. Naturally, this has put her medical career on hold with the very real possibility that she may never be able to return. This has affected her mental health, as you can imagine. She has felt very demoralized, going from the respect and status of a surgeon to essentially being a housewife, for lack of a better term, for the past two years. For context, she was never interested in being a housewife. She has always been very career-driven and drew a lot of satisfaction from the independence, money, and respect that her career as a doctor afforded her. That being said, she is one tough cookie and has settled into being an incredible housewife. Luckily, her illness does not limit her to the point where she can't be functional and could do all of the usual daily tasks, but a little slower than usual with more breaks. We have talked about her looking for other work, perhaps teaching in some other healthcare setting, or maybe even in a different field entirely. However, she's been very reluctant to seek this out, I think mainly due to mental health challenges, and for her, it would be an admission that her career as a surgeon is over, almost like giving up, and I don't think she can fathom that yet. Recently, she has been repeatedly and insistently bringing up the idea of trying for a third child. She knows that I typically take forever to direct, uh, decide on something, so there's a part of her that feels like I just need more persuading. While I'm not entirely against it, I do daydream about how wonderful life would look like with three children, the love, the beauty of a new child, etc. I also come from a three-child household, so there is an element of familiarity and nostalgia for me. That being said, I have many concerns and hesitations regarding having three children, and I am leaning towards not having more children. Firstly, I have mental health issues. I am being treated, and I am overall much more stable. However, I worry that the demands of a third child will be too excessive. I want to be a good dad to the children I have, and I want to be a patient, loving, and have time to dedicate to them. Furthermore, I'm someone that deeply craves and genuinely needs time to myself in order to self-regulate and have stable mental health. I find it difficult to manage that given my current situation with two children. Self, uh, selflessly, more children would make that much more complicated. I don't want to uh, overburden myself with another child at the, at the expense of my current children or my mental health. Furthermore, Melanie's disease is highly unpredictable, and I don't want to give myself, find myself in a situation where I am a caregiver to three children and her at the same time, especially given the fact that her condition can worsen postpartum at best-case scenario only temporarily, at worst, permanently. On her side, she feels like the window of opportunity to have another child is slowly closing. The medication she's been on for the past two years was not safe for pregnancy. Her doctor has changed her meds recently and she's now permitted to get pregnant. She's 36 and worried that her biological clock is ticking. After a very rough two years where on some days she was barely able to walk on her own or get out of bed, she is doing a lot better medically. Given that, she feels like after all the hell she went through, now that she's feeling better, having another child would give her a sense of redemption. Given the loss of her identity as a surgeon, being a mother has been very much her identity over the past few years. It has provided her a renewed sense of purpose and self-worth. Knowing her, it would devastate her not to try for another one. Having another child for her will make her feel like she can still be good at something really big and important. <clears throat> not having another child for her means that her illness has taken something else away from her. Something she wants more than anything else. I know if I decide not to have more children with her, there will be a long and arduous mourning period on her end. 
There will be a lot of crying, pleading, pleading, and broken dreams. I don't know how I will be able to, one, handle that, and two, resist the pressure to not give in eventually. I worry that if I give in and I have a third child, that I will resent her and the child. Anyway, I don't know what else to say. If you've read my story this far, I appreciate your time. That sound familiar to you, Buck? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. If 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 I were a betting man, which I am not, but if I were, I would bet strongly that this woman suffers with MS. That's and, kind of what it sounds uh, like. The the age yep. is right and the description is right. Medication descriptions about not being safe for pregnancy. I remember there was a lot of hype about a new medication. It came on the MS market that you could actually get pregnant on it. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not going to say, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because that's that would be very disgusting and very opinionated. If, uh, if it were me, abso-fucking-lutely not. Because, and, and my worry for you would be that your wife ends up in the same boat that I am in which is extremely possible because MS is very unpredictable as you describe your wife's condition to be. I'm wildly assuming that we're talking about MS. And, uh, and if indeed we are, it is very unpredictable. Five years ago, I could use... Um, no, five years ago is when I started using a, uh, an electric wheelchair. So we'll say seven years ago, I was still walking with forearm crutches. Uh, seven, seven years ago. So if, and, and I've got a very progressive form of MS. So put your wife on the same timeline and things are hard right now. In two years, they're going to be really hard. In four years, they're going to be damn near impossible. And in five years, you will be a caregiver of three children and your wife, period. And in seven years, you might even have to help your wife take a shower. You're, you might have to help your wife with toileting. So my suggestion to you, I'm not again saying no, 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 no. What I am saying to you, in order to preserve your own mental health, and in order to preserve your relationship with your with your wife, is have this discussion with your doctor. Because your doctor will give you some very, very real talking points based off of the MRI scans. Uh, and this is even if your wife's disease isn't MS. You know, if you, you know, this is any condition. Go, you know, sit down with your wife and, and open it up like this. Say, sweetie, I don't want to tell you what my opinion on having children is at this point in time. Because I am undecided at this point. In order for me to really tip the scales, I think that we should have this conversation with your neurologist. And see what they say. I think that we should take this from an educated you know, because you seem like two smart people take this from an educated point of view and a very realistic point of view, which is what people with chronic conditions always are programmed and defaulted to do. Okay, especially with your wife being a surgeon. She, she should definitely be able to uh, be down with you wanting to default to the advice of, of a qualified medical profession, especially one who is a neurologist. So that, that is my suggestion to you on how to breach that issue. Because my opinion on whether or not you should have a third child, child with a chronic illness is gross. I am, not, I am not qualified to give you that. And I, I don't mean gross as in like, you know, it would be gross to do it. It would be gross for me to give you my opinion. I, I, do not, I am not personally aware of your situation uh, and all the nuances that are involved. You know, so uh, have this discussion with your neurologist and see uh, if uh, if everybody can come to a good 
uh, consensus medically and then discuss the real possibility of what's going to happen if things take a turn for the worse. You know, if you guys can plan ahead well enough, you can make this work. But just know that it's something that may happen and that you do have to have a plan for. But again, if you have a plan for it, you can you can make it happen. So, I mean, what do, what do you think, Sadar? Um, my, my first thought was, again, why is this conversation not happening with your wife? Presumably, you two communicate well. You've already done great with two kids. You've weathered the storm of a very scary disease and the loss of your wife's, at least temporarily right now, the loss of your wife's profession. So I have to assume you've got a very strong marriage. I think each one of your concerns is perfectly a reasonable concern. So... um I think it would be totally fair and equitable for you to lay out each one of the concerns that you mentioned here, your own health, your wife's possible worsening health, um, maybe uh, aggravated or expedited by a pregnancy, and what the next 3, 5, 10, 15 years look like. Um, also, I, I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but also before I forget, make sure that this isn't a, um, some sort of like mental health crisis, because remember, your wife just suffered a big loss and now she's forming this new identity. But what if she actually flips gears two or three years down the road and says, well, what if I could be a teacher? You know, is this. Is this really a direction that she wants to go, or is this is this like depression and and her like needing to fill a void because you you know sit down with your wife and say, okay, you know like you know you're you're feeling like this is a good idea, but are you gonna feel that way in the next three or four years when this kid's crying and screaming and you know, what if you want your life to take a different direction? You know, the, the existing children that you have are going to be three or four years older and you'll have a lot more time and more liberty to do what you want to do. I mean, like, you know, do you really want to close the door to your entire future and all your other options to go down? Like, you know, make sure that this isn't some sort of, of, of midlife crisis slash disease crisis thing. You know that that's 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 a very real thing that that disabled folks go through. I can tell you that from personal experience too. And so, with everything you know, your wife has been in been through in the last two years, if she is not in counseling, and I know doctors are notoriously bad for not taking care of themselves, but if she's not in counseling, I would strongly strongly encourage her to seek that out, or for you to help her seek before you make any life-changing decisions like adding another child. So I think uh, Buck's recommendation that you talk to her doctors and get advice about possibly um, adding to your family is very sound, and I would definitely urge you to do that. But I would also urge you to have uh, make sure that your wife is seeking mental health care because her life has been flipped upside down. And that's... That's tough for anybody to handle. And frankly, my hat's off to the both of you for getting a diagnosis like that when you had a four-year-old and a one-year-old in the house and just keeping things together and wanting to give your kids everything. You sound like an amazing couple and yeah. uh, great parents. And I have little doubt that you're going to do exactly what's the best. Right thing. Yeah, you're going to do what's best for all of you because you just just reading this you sound like a wonderful family and I want to wish you the best same all right but on that note what do we what do we got next up on the uh on the on the plate here well Buck it wouldn't be one of our shows if we didn't have at least one am I the asshole and I have to tell you Buck we're really we're doing the hard-hitting journalism with this Am I the Asshole post. Oh, um, 
Okay, all right, great. From Galactic Mango asks, Am I the asshole for not mixing pasta noodles in with the sauce? You ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, all right, yes, all right. I'm ready. Asking the questions that just need to be answered. My husband and I have been have had this ongoing debate for the entirety of our relationship. When he makes pasta, he will mix the noodles and sauce together straight away. When I make it, I leave the noodles and sauce separated until just before serving. If there are leftovers, I will st store the noodles and sauce separately. Although each of us has our preference, we typically leave it up to whoever is doing the cooking to decide how the sauce and noodles will be served and stored. I recently came back from a two-month work assignment, and my return also happened to coincide, coincide with a bunch of my in-laws coming to town. My husband wanted to host a dinner at our home for his family and asked if I could take on all of the cooking. I, I'm normally the one to do most of the cooking in our relationship. I enjoy it, and I would say that I'm pretty good at it, objectively better than he is. I've been complimented many times from many different people over different meals that I've made. However, I am by no means a professional, and I've never been asked to cook for such a large group before. I wasn't totally comfortable with taking on the role for this occasion, and plus, I kind of wanted to chill and be lazy, lazy for a while after being away for work for an extended period of time. But my husband really wanted to impress his family, so I begrudgingly agreed. I ended up making several different dishes, one of those being a large bolognese sauce with Pepperadell noodles. I, I hope I pronounced that right, but I'm not sure. Anyway, I made sure to plate it up really nice and topped it with freshly grated Parmesan cheese and basil. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. Later that evening, my husband pulled me aside and was clearly unhappy that I hadn't mixed the noodles and sauce together. His reasoning is that he and his entire family prefer everything mixed and that I shouldn't, I should have made it according to their preferences, since I knew that. He said it made no sense to make it according to my preferences when I was the only one out of 15 people that liked it that way. I told him that if it was really that big of a deal that he should have taken on all of the cooking, we went back and forth for a bit, and finally I said, if I'm the one cooking, then I'm going to make it the way that I think is best. I don't care what everyone else's preferences are. That irritated him even further, and he basically expressed that he thinks I was being rude and inconsiderate. It's not like I ignored anyone's dietary restrictions. There were none. Cooking a multiple-course meal by yourself for a large group is a lot of work, and the fact that he had the audacity to complain about the noodles and sauce is beyond irritating. It's been a couple of weeks this, uh, since this happened, and I haven't been cooking our dinners as I normally do. I told my husband that since he seems to be such a picky eater, he can figure it out himself. Am I the asshole? Buck? Not even a little. I don't think you are. I don't think, I, I'm sorry, I just don't. Am I wrong? Is she the asshole? No, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't think okay. so. Okay, all right. Like, I got all quiet. Like, you didn't agree um, with me. No fist bump. No, no, no air I, pump. No, nothing. I, I, thought, I was just like. I thought you had uh, more to go. No, no, I was no, listening. no. But, but I mean, like, dude, you got to tell your fucking man to grow the fuck up. Are you shitting me? You came back home from a two-month fucking business trip, and then all of a sudden they're cooking a fucking multi-course meal for 15 motherfucking people, and and the husband comes up and can't say anything other than you didn't make the sauce. You didn't. Okay. All right. Me, personally, I'll go ahead and say it. My preferences for sauce on noodles is it depends. It depends on the noodle. It depends on the noodle. All right, it really does. If we're eating shells, I want that shit mixed. I want that shit mixed. I don't like plain shells. You know, who the, who the hell eats a plain shell when there's sauce in the field of play? No, mix that shit together. I want that together. Now, if it's like long pasta, like linguine, fettuccine, spaghetti, you know, shit like that, I want a pile of noodles with, you know, a proportionate little 
you know, pile of sauce on top of it, and then like a snowy peak of Parmesan cheese on the top. Like that's the way I want that. You know, so it just depends on the noodle. But you, you, you graciously and begrudgingly cooked a meal for 15 fucking people. And then, you know, Monday morning quarterback wants to come off the bench and bitch about the sauce and noodles. Like, what the fuck is that? I would have made him wear it. I would have made him wear it. The craziest thing thing to me here is they both mix the noodles in the sauce. He does it right away. She mixes it right before serving. So, like, where's the difference? What, What difference am I not seeing here? Well, when you mix it all in the pot together, all the noodles get covered in all the sauce. But she when was doing it, that. She just didn't do I it. I thought she was I thought she I thought she was putting noodles on the plate and then sauce on top of the noodles. She mixed them together just before serving. He mixes oh, them. Oh Jesus freaking Murphy. Like I'm I'm at a total loss here. Like, okay, put it aside. I don't care if you're putting the sauce on top of the noodles. You're putting the sauce under the noodles, whatever. If you come home for from two months away and agree to um, uh, make dinner for a group of 16 people, including yourself, a multi-course meal, who cares? Like, if <laughs> everybody got fed, nobody got tomain, um, uh, it's a win. Like, this is the most ridiculous Am I the Asshole I have ever read. I think, um... Like, how long do you... Now... Spit it out, Buck. Like, what what, what timeline do you think, realistically, we're thinking to cook a fucking spread of food for 17 freaking people? 16. How, how many hours... Uh, six, well, yes... Yeah, 16 people. 16 people. 16 people to feed. How long, how, how much time in the kitchen you think that's going to require? I mean, like, that's, that's, that's not, that's not a stovetop stuffing kind of fucking, I mean, like, well, it might have been, it might have been, it might have been, Doesn't re- regardless of the amount, it probably still took a minute, and buddy, I'll tell you what, man. You're gonna sit here and bitch about the fucking sauce, and not. I I thought I thought it was the placement of the sauce. I didn't even realize that she was mixing. The, we're talking about the timing of the sauce and the noodles touching. Yes, like that's 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 where the gripe is here. That bitch can sleep on the fucking couch. I wouldn't even let him sleep on the couch. I'd fucking put everything that he hates. On the couch and make him sleep on the floor in front of it. That motherfucker is just what the shit. He needs to take himself down a peg. That's it. He he needs to show some gratitude. I mean, yeah, put a little gratitude in that attitude. I wonder if he made her clean the house before his parents got there too. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, that. No, you're not the asshole. Uh, yep. And 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 scene. All right, let's try something a little different, Buck. Let's try Entitled Parents because I love Rotten Parents. They make me feel better about being me. Coming from Sexiness Incarnate, am I right for hating my mother? I'm already intrigued. So... I hate my mother, and I don't think that I'm overreacting, but I would like to know other people's opinions after reading this. My mother has always hated me and viewed me as, in her words, a disappointment, disaster, destroyer, etc. I don't understand how a four-year-old can be all of those things, but okay. She married my father in college because he was an up-and-coming lawyer, and she wanted money in class. Then she immediately got pregnant with me to lock it in. Though she hardly raised me and would usually leave me with a nanny when my father was home. He would essentially be both a father and mother to me. Then, when I was five, I caught her sleeping with my father's best friend. She told my father and he was willing to work it out. He was infuriated, but she refused. 
She then immediately married the friend, my stepfather. The reason they got married and slept together was because my stepfather's wife had passed away, and since my mother was her best friend, she tried to console him. It ended up with them sleeping together, and afterwards she told him she was pregnant when she wasn't so that he would marry her and then immediately, quote-unquote, miscarried. I also have a stepsister that my mother severely favors over me, and when we were teenagers, she turned us against each other for years. My sister had this boyfriend in high school. They were perfect, and my mother loved him. Anyway, one night, I got into a fight with my mother, and when that happens, I become a completely different person. And I decided to go to a party and get belligerently drunk. At the party, I saw my sister's boyfriend. He started flirting with me, and I started flirting back. He then said something along the lines of, what would your mother think? And that gave me the idea to sleep with him to piss my mom and sister off. I was completely in the wrong, and I regret it. After he offered to leave my sister for me, I declined once I came to my senses. That got the dude angry, and a couple of days later, he lied and told my sister I seduced him. We fought, and I tried to apologize for over a month because I knew it was completely my fault. And at that point, I thought I had apologized as much as I could. My mother told me my sister needs some time alone to convince me, and convinced me to move across country to live with my father to give her some space. For two years, I tried calling and writing my sister, but never got a response. My sister also tried contacting me, but my mother just changed all the phone numbers and kept all of my letters and would tell my sister I hated her and didn't want to reconcile. Because she was trying to manipulate my sister into eventually marrying her high school boyfriend by telling her that her deceased mother would have wanted it that way since he had money, and if I were in her life, I would try to convince her not to. And that's just an example of some of the worst that she has done. What do you think, Buck? Wow. Well, I mean, like, at least you owned up to being kind of a shitty person for sleeping with your sister's boyfriend and kind of weaponizing that. But aside from that, I mean, like, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like, you know, Sounds like we got a real, real, real prime piece of shit right there. What do you think? Um, well, yeah, her mom's a money-grubbing piece of shit. <laughs> like I would strongly um, take it from uh, experience, not me, but my partner. Uh, keep a close eye on your credit score because there's a good chance some things are going to show up in your name. Um, at some point that you never applied for, so keep a close eye on that because your mom, your your mom is an egg donor and really nothing more. Um, I'm glad that you had a decent dad. Hopefully, you got uh, your head on straight now and can make something of your life. And you know, it sucks. We don't all get to uh, you, you don't get to pick your um, parents and. I'm sorry your mom's a gold-digging bitch, but hopefully now that you've cut her off, you can start get, getting on with your life and making a good one. Just keep an eye on your credit score, because chances are she's got access to your birth certificate and your social security number, and you're going to end up buying something you didn't uh, expect. Uh, I can't agree with you more on that one. Can't agree with you more. So do we have anything else today, Sidar, or one one more entitled parents. And I I'll admit I haven't read this one yet. It just um the titles uh, caught my eye because I relate. So from Scar the Goth, Dad makes a big deal out of everything I wear. I seventeen female can't find any other communities that allow text posts, but basically every time I pick out what I want to wear I'm worried that my dad will have issue with it if it's not a full-length skirt and pant or pants. If I wear a shirt th uh, that shows my belly, I'm showing my midsection. I can't wear sports bras at home in my own house, even though everyone I live with is related to me. For Christmas this past year, my mom got me black leggings, and my dad decided I couldn't wear them in public because my stepmother decided they were uh, they're the viral TikTok leggings that are supposed to make your butt look big. 
which is obviously not true as no leggings can just mag magically make your butt larger. In the past, my dad has had an issue with me wearing certain dresses because he claims that they're too short. So for my birthday, I put exercise shorts on under my dress, the kind you'd wear at the gym or to run in, and my stepmother still tried to make a big deal out of it and say it was too short, even after I said that I had put shorts on under the dress, so there wasn't a risk of anyone seeing my underwear. I constantly feel objectified in my own home, and it's ridiculous. <clears throat> Maybe if someone is looking at the boobs or butt of an underage girl, they are the issue, and to remind everyone, pervs will be pervs no matter how skimpy or conservative someone is dressed. Every time I wear shorts, they're too short, and if I wear a shirt that has a v-neck, it's too low cut. One time at a party, I was wearing a dress that my dad had bought me, and my stepmother had decided to pull my dress down, but she pulled it down too far, and it exposed my bra, not the strap, but the literal cup. That's not okay. Luckily, I don't think anyone saw, but it just goes to show how my parents will fixate on something that really doesn't matter, and then it does exactly what they were claiming they were trying, and then do exactly what they're claiming they were trying to prevent. What do you think, Buck? That is that is super extreme, and I'm glad that I'm a man, and I'm glad that growing up I was a boy, because I didn't have those problems, and you know. I hear I hear people talking about it and I don't know what the big deal is about what kids want to wear. I I don't know. I mean like I I think that there's there's like um a line for social decorum that 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 exists but I don't I don't think it's that strict. Like I think you just kind of got to be like covered up kinda sorta like just don't go out naked into a store like don't go buy a pack of cigarettes in a, in a thong like don't don't do that but you know so what you're wearing a short shirt a short skirt v-neck top you know I, I i don't i don't see the big deal i think your parents are definitely a little out of line and uh and need to grow up a little bit more on their own and realize that they're actually kind of creating more of a problem with their fixing kind of like what you said i don't know i mean maybe may, again like since i since i have no experience with this maybe i'm looking at it all wrong what am i am i way off base here sadar no i don't think so i i think the dad and stepmom are being super duper creepy like if the skirt is long enough that you can wear exercise shorts under it um what's the problem uh and Lots of women wear just a, a sports bra to work out in. So why can't you do that around home when you're related to everyone? I mean, do you have a stepbrother that's also 17 living in the home? I can see maybe getting uh, a little uncomfortable with you walking around in a bra if that's the case. But it's it just sounds like step... Uh, stepmom and dad are hyper focused on sexualizing this kid, and I'd tell her to get away as quickly as she can. I'm sure 18 yeah. can't come soon enough, but for now, unless you can move in with your birth mother, um, you're probably going to have to bear it as much as possible. Um, I know it might be satisfying, like when your stepmom uh, yanked on your dress to scream and make a scene and things like that. But I also am old enough to, and uh, 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 I guess tempered enough to realize that that's really in the long run going to accomplish nothing other than making your life at home hell for a couple days. So I think. Um, one, I want to reassure you, Scar the Goth, that you are not crazy, you are not unreasonable, you are not out of line, you are stuck in a situation where you have to endure until you can get away. That's, that's all there is. 
I'm not going to try and add on to anything from that one. Nope. 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 So I, is that is that our last story, Sadar, or yep, do that, we have anything left? That's that's what we got this week, Buck. Well, uh, anything else for closing on that one, or should we just wrap this one up in a bow and send everybody off till next week? I think that I just want to reiterate my um, commitment to staying healthy so that there will be a next week. Excellent. <laughs> well said. Well said. I will try to stay at status quo so, to, uh, so that way I can commit to the same. Okay. But until then, folks, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Subcockles of Reddit with Buck and Sadar. And, uh, you know, please make sure you uh, give us a listen to uh, uh, on the, uh, excuse me, give us a listen on the Social Liability Podcast with Raz and I. And uh, we can be found on most of your uh, podcasting platforms. So until then, again, this is Subcockles, Radar, uh, Subcockles <laughs> of Reddit with Buck and Sadar. Wishing you a wonderful, safe, and happy week. Thank you again. <laughs>